the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions for the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are on board, ready to go. Thank you for joining us tonight here on the Bible Live broadcast. This is the Soapster. Stacy's on the phone with us, and uh, we'll get her up here, get be able to say good evening to my beautiful daughter. How are you doing, Stacy? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, I'm good. Thank you. How's yeah. my How's my grandson and my beautiful new How are the- <laughs> grand girl? Well, Ellie. They're they're grand. They're doing they're doing well. We had a good day today. And how about that handsome, hardworking son-in-law of mine? Is he doing okay? Oh, he's good too. <laughs> yes, we're all good. Every day is getting a little bit easier, Ellie. Uh, so uh, we have a little newborn for everybody out there. She is, let's see, five weeks as of Friday. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I remember with my firstborn. You know, there's, you just don't know kind of what to expect. It's hard to really even prepare for it because it's just such a change. And, um, and I remember a friend was very kind and texted and just said, it will get better. Just, you know, don't, because when you're in the middle of it and you're not sleeping, it's hard to to think you, you think, oh my goodness, this is must be what it's like, and this is it. This is my whole. And they they said it it will get every every single day gets a little bit easier, a little bit better, more routine. The baby starts, you know, holding its head up soon, and um, and anyway, and and I just remember that was so nice of that friend to say that and that it became true. He's like, oh yes, that's that's true, and so I've just been telling myself that with Ellie and. Oh, that's fun. It, it gives maybe here's the uh, the lesson is that hope, you know, that hope of it will get better is is very practical and very helpful. And it's true. And maybe maybe there's a lesson there. Maybe there's a mom, another mama out there, another new mommy out in our yes. audience and just needed that word yes. of encouragement tonight. You know, this yes. is. They do grow yeah. up. They do keep growing, and things go on, and you finally get right. 
a little bit of a normality to life again, a little bit of a you, process. A little you will bit of, sleep again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, once they might turn, not be for a little while, but you will. <laughs> once they get to be teenagers, and of course then they're sleeping. You can't <laughs> wake you. them up. <laughs> they're they're, they're uh, sleeping too. You have to wake them. Well, good uh-huh. to see you, Sage. We're on um, the Bible Live broadcast this week. We started reading the books of first and second kings so that's what we'll be talking about with this evening with our listeners and we invite them we invite you folks to give us a call be a part of the program with us 210-340-9585 210-340-9585 for the next 90 minutes we'll be talking about all things biblical the great book of books we make our way through the bible every year from beginning to end, uh, we've already covered all of the books up to the books of First and Second Kings, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Torah. We finished uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, uh, s- small books of, of history as well after the Torah. Then First and Second Samuel with this uh, transition person, uh, Samuel, from the time of the judges into about a 350-year period into the time of the kings, Uh, Samuel being the last in a sense of the judges. He is a contemporary with Samson, the the 12th of the 12 judges we considered in the book of the judges. And um, then we turn from Samuel, who anointed the first king of Israel, Saul, and also the second king of Israel, David, and uh, the shepherd king. And now we're moving into the time of the kings after David's uh, death. Then we come to his son, the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. His name is Solomon. And uh, we will we started in the book of First Kings with during the reign of of Solomon. This. Uh, very famous, famous because of uh, many things. Uh, David brought uh, Israel t- to a time of greatness. It's it's the uh, golden age of Israel in terms of power and influence and wealth. Uh, and then Solomon took over w- with that advantage, but then kind of drove the nation into uh, bankruptcy, drove the nation into uh Quite a bit of misery. We'll talk about that unrealized potential that Solomon represents. So, so often it seems like we're talking about that, Stacy. We 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 meet men uh, who who know God, who experience God in their life, and they they know better, but somehow they get distracted. Like like Samson, I just mentioned this judge of Israel, uh, he had tremendous potential, great supernatural strength from God Himself. And equipped and and prepared by the Lord to defend the the nation, the people of Israel from, for example, the Philistines and other enemies, but just never lived up to his full potential as a person and his potential in terms of his walk with God and his experience of God in his life, and to some degree, uh, you know, there was a room for a lot of regret and a lot of mistakes were made, but. He does come along in the end. He, God uses him and works with him in spite of him, himself. And, and uh, so we learn from each of these individuals. We learn from these 
uh, kings. We learn about the nation. Now we get a chance in the book of Kings to learn and follow the not only the exploits of the leaders, uh, the those who led the nation of Israel, Saul and then David and then Solomon, and then, of course, the nation divides. The ten tribes in the north go off and follow uh, a man uh, named Jeroboam, and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, continues as king of the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. We just... In the scripture, they're referred to as Judah now, and the ten northern tribes are called Israel. So uh, we will follow their exploits as we make our way through the scriptures. We covered this last week. The chapters, uh, well, the opening chapter we had read on the Friday of the week before, but this past week we started at chapter 3 and got to chapter 18. And uh, I don't know, do, do you have any thoughts or any kind of general insights about the books of First and Second Kings, Stacey? As some, I don't know, some people, if you like stories, there, there are mm-hmm. some interesting stories. Some of the kings right. are, are, are interesting in and of themselves for both good and bad reasons. Some of them are uh, interestingly good. In their faith and in their obedience to right. the Lord, some of them are interestingly bad. You know, they they <laughs> they help destroy, they help bring the nation mm-hmm. down. All of the kings of the northern tribes, uh, the ten tribes of the north, uh, all of the king. There was not one righteous, godly king among them. That's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Out of the twenty-two, they had uh, some of, from the southern tribe of, ben, of Judah were indeed godly and uh, and God-seeking and led in a very positive way through very difficult and troubled times. But um, we're going to follow the exploits of the people of Israel, this people group now. Remember, they've taken been taken out of Egypt under Moses' leadership. They went into back into the land of Canaan under Joshua's leadership. Uh, and then they were about 350 years under the leadership and the gui- guidance of the judges, these 12 men and one, 11 men and one woman that served as judges or leaders that God raised up in a given time for the nation. And now they've trans- transitioned uh, under Samuel's leadership to um, the time of the king, Saul, David, and now Solomon. Um uh, it, it, what do you think when you read the book of Kings? I, some people get thoroughly lost. You, you just kind of get lost yeah. in all of the history and all. Well, who's who and who's on first? And I need a, yeah, it, you need it, a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, you need a whiteboard. You need a you need a roster to know who's who's mm-hmm. who's playing. Uh, particularly when you get after the kingdom divides, then you're yeah. following the exploits of both the kings of Israel in the north and the kings of Judah in the south. And sometimes you you kind of have to keep them separate and realize. Now, if you uh, if you go to the Bible Live, I think I have it posted, but if not, I'll try to get it on our website, thebiblelive.com. And I have a, a graphic that I've put together that lets you see the timeline of the kings. This period lasts about 400, a little, maybe a little over 400 years. The 
Solomon, one of the famous things that Solomon does is he he builds the beautiful temple, the Temple of Solomon, which is one of the you know the great wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful uh, construct, a beautiful temple. Uh, of course, it it gets sacked and things are taken from it. The, the wealth of the nation is stolen and so on, and then it gets destroyed in 586. That's about a 400-year period that the temple serves as a worship center for the nation of Israel. Uh, it is often abandoned and left uh, in disrepair, and sometimes it gets repaired and, and, and fixed up again under some of the kings. But um, mm-hmm. Solomon is the one who builds it. David gives a great offering to, to uh, build the temple. David presents a great deal of resources and, and money for the building, uh, but it's Solomon who sees it done because David is a man of war, blood on his hands, as they say, and he was not allowed to be the one to build the temple, so he simply you know, gathered the money. <laughs> he financed it, and his son Solomon is the one who makes it happen. I wonder if any I wonder if any of our listeners know how many years it took to build the temple. You reckon uh, do you know mm-hmm. Stace? Is that one of our questions? Is that one of our questions? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know it, if it's one of our questions. I'll make it one of our questions, I guess. Are, are you going to look at your cheat sheet? Is that <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, how many years did it take? If you can tell us that, give us a call. 210-340-9585. How many years did it take for Solomon uh, under his leadership to build the temple? that lasted for almost 400 years before it was destroyed mm-hmm. by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. So um, if you know the answer, give us a call, 210-340-9585. And actually, the book actually tells us uh, how many years it took. If you want to look yeah. in chapter 6, verse 37 of the book of First Kings, you could be able to tell us how many years it took to build the temple. Beautiful, beautiful uh, edifice, and um, just very ornate and, and, and beautiful, almost beyond description, in fact. But um, how many years did it take? So I don't know what else. When you read the books of the King, Stacy, I guess I've given you enough time to kind of ponder that question. Tell me, <laughs> what do you, is there any overriding uh Insight or idea that comes to your mind as when you read about these right. these kings. Well, I'm, I'm I guess I'm always um, maybe pleasantly I don't know if surprised is the word, but just reminded that uh, people are are people and God is God. <laughs> um, as far as he's 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 kind of never changing and and in a lot of ways neither people are also never changing. Um, and I guess maybe we tend to think of biblical times as sort of ethereal or just a or like Middle Earth or some kind of other uh, other different, you know, than us. And uh, of course, in many ways, yes, um, they didn't have iPhones, I guess. But um, but just to see how power kind of plays out, how people make mistakes, how, I mean, and, and just not much has changed. I mean, it's so similar to today and to the same old kind of um, tendencies of human nature to um, 
to fall short, to sin, to sin greatly. I mean, just to really botch things up. And God is faithful and he is sovereign and he is working in all of that to, you know, and, and, and he was on mission to um, just creating a, a people group, calling out a people for himself, mm-hmm. out of which would would come the Messiah. And um, I don't know, I, I just, and we can trust that today as well. And um, I also love that it is very, um, I mean, and, and, I mean, it's, it's a king, so it's very political. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I, I think especially today, it's kind of, you know, the church shouldn't be political or, or oh, I don't want to talk about political, you know, politics or political things. Um, but God is, is very involved in, um, in politics. I mean, uh, Kings is very political. It's all about the politics and, um, and it, and it, yeah, it is messy, and just like it's messy today, um, but he's right there in the midst of that, and um, and I think that that's kind of a, a neat, uh, just reminder, and it's assuring. It's it's. I think there's an assurance there as well. Um, you know, we're we're not out of the reach. Of, no, of we're what not. He's we're doing. not so different. In fact, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, yes. We see a lot of the same temptations to to um, hedonism and to, to pleasure and to comfort, right. and we get distracted by wealth and the pursuit of earthly yeah. things to the to the sacrifice of spiritual values and, and and goodness, and of course the relationship with God Himself, and we lose sight of our purpose, and that is to help be a part of sharing God's love and the message of. Redemption, mm-hmm. eternal life, and redemption to for all humanity. That's all we have to remember always, even as mm-hmm. we're focusing and watching the experiences of this people group we call Israel, the geopolitical group of Israel in uh, mm-hmm. aspect. Even as we're watching them, we realize that true Israel is always far greater, far wider, broader, deeper than just this this earthly. Uh, image right. this earthly uh, example we have of God's people. The true Israel is all of those who are the people of God, and our the objective and the goal was always all the world, every tribe, every nation, every people group, every language, all over the world. That was always the the emphasis. That was right. all the always the purpose. So, but we can learn a lot as we study the experiences the ups and downs of this uh, people group called Israel or Judah here in, in the Old Testament, we can learn a lot about God, about uh, ourselves, about our, our own uh, propensity, our own um, kind of um, our, our, our tendency to selfishness and to godlessness yeah. and, and uh so we 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 can learn an awful lot by following these examples, and frankly, to to be honest, sometimes I think our nation, uh, America, uh, our history as a people, we see the same kind of ups and downs in our own history, yeah. uh, ups and downs, back and forth, and we see the one of the things that comes out during the the books of the Kings is we see the importance of godly leadership. 
uh, when when there are actually only two kings that walk in the ways of the Lord from the, uh, from and they were both in Judah here in the books of first and second Kings. Uh, one was Asa and then his son Jehoshaphat. They mm-hmm. wa- they uh, waged uh, spiritual warfare against the influence of idolatry in the land. And they helped restore Judah, Judah, at least in the south, to the terms of God's covenant during their reigns. But uh, from one generation to another, there are no spiritual guarantees, and it only takes one generation uh, to move away from mm-hmm. following after God. And, of course, we see that very dramatically even in our own nation as we pray now for revival in our land. And, and I do want to remind folks that the National Day of Prayer is coming up on Cinco de Mayo this year. The 5th of May is the first Thursday of May, and uh, the first Thursday of every May now has been recognized as a day of prayer by our uh, our president signs a proclamation. Both houses of Congress approve it. Uh, this has come now to be a, a um, <clears throat> customary in our nation. Uh, and we don't want it to ever become so customary that it's no longer relevant and it's no long, It's just a ritual. This is genuinely a unique opportunity for the God's people to gather, uh, to unite our hearts in prayer. And, and I mean God's people from all the different uh, denominations, all of our different backgrounds and, and experiences. We are very broad and <laughs> very diverse, to use the, the word of the... Uh, decade for us god's people is we're extremely diverse red yellow black and white polka dotted uh we are all the the god's people we come from very different backgrounds and experiences but we share our devotion to god our faith and trust in him and our desire to see god's will and god's blessings fall on our homes our cities our states and, and our nation and, and indeed around the world. And this first Thursday of every May is an opportunity to gather across yeah. denominational and our different groupings and so on, to gather as the people of God and unite our hearts in prayer for mm-hmm. God's will and God's glory to be shown here uh, in in our nation. So May the yeah. 5th, National Day of Prayer, I think... Uh, uh, my beautiful wife, Suzanne, is going to come on and join us sometime during the program this evening, I think, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. We've been helping to give leadership to the National Day of Prayer in our city since 1986. I guess that's a pretty good number of years now. We've been trying to help get the word out that this is a very special prayer opportunity we have and uh, organizing a, a number of different kinds of events through the years. But it belongs to all of us. It doesn't belong to anyone or any group or any individuals. So if you just remember May the 5th is a day of prayer and for your home, your family, your friends, what are you, people at work, people in your congregation or church, your Sunday school classes, you may all want to do something special just to join your heart in prayer with millions of believers all across our nation on May the 5th Thursday, May the 5th, the National Day of Prayer, asking God to grant us his forgiveness, uh, his His power at work in and through our, uh, uh, to our nation with, with 
well, the economy with our youth, our young people, almost everything, every aspect of our culture and society is open for us to pray for and to ask Uh God to to bless. Go ahead, Stace. I'm sorry. I just got carried away there. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I, I was I, when you say every aspect of our society, I was I was thinking yes needs prayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this and and the San Antonio. So there's the um, I guess I'll just say it real quick. I know Mom might come on a little bit later, but at twelve o'clock, so at noon at Main Plaza is where San Antonio will have a gathering um, just of different city leaders and pastors and um, just a time of of prayer there in front of San Fernando. Um, Pre-service music starts at 1130. Mm -hmm. And the theme this year is Exalt the Lord, Built Up in Him and Established in the Faith. And the uh, verse this year that the National Committee for the National Day of Prayer chose was Colossians 2, 6-7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I just, I love that. It reminds me of that Rich Mullins song, Sing Your Praise to the Lord. Come yeah. on, everybody, come up and yeah. sing. That was <laughs> and, a key uh, verse. I, I taught this morning out at Lackland Air Force Base. We had, oh, something um, close to 500 uh, trainees coming together to be able to hear about the Lord and grow in the Lord. And uh, that was one of our key verses in our Bravo class. We talk about the element of faith, and it talks about as as you have received Christ Jesus. How did we receive Christ Jesus? By faith. Well, mm-hmm. in the same way, so walk ye in Him. And we uh, mm-hmm. studied what it mean, what faith is, and what it means for yeah. us to walk and live by faith. We come to Christ. We come into the family of God by faith, and now we walk it out and experience our relationship yes. with the Lord by faith, too. And yes, and speaking of walking, there's a um, a, a prayer walk. <laughs> so you can truly, you can walk in, in faith right. um, from First Presbyterian Church um, downtown. They'll start at 10 a.m. and walk from the church to Main Plaza and just praying over the city and praying as they walk. So that'll be really neat if you want to do that and are interested in that. Meet at First Presbyterian Church San Antonio at 10 a.m. And then once you get to Main Plaza, I'll just throw it out there real quick. Sorry, Mom, if I'm stepping on your toes, but there's chairs and water. There will be a, t- a prayer tent for anyone coming and needing prayer. That starts at and, 1030. Um, so if you have an, uh, a, yes, a need for prayer or would prayer. like to pray with mm-hmm. folks, that starts at 1030. Mm-hmm. And then Bibles um, will be there as well. So if you need a Bible or if someone you know needs a Bible, free Bibles will be at a, a Bible tent that will be set up as well. So. It'll be really neat. It's, it's always a special time in this. All right. Well, we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. The Bible Live will continue. This is The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. This is the Bible Live broadcast here on Sunday evenings. We're making our way through the entire Bible every year. And this past week we've uh, moved on through the book of First and Second Kings. That's where we are at the present moment. And uh, we have another guest on the line with us tonight as well. Uh, my dear wife Suzanne is joining us here on the Bible Live broadcast with our daughter Stacy. How are you doing, sweetie? Good to talk to you, Suzanne. Thank you. you. It's good. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Fine and dandy. Okay. We, we already <laughs> talked about you, and we said that you'll be calling in to talk to us a little bit about this remarkable day that we have as, uh, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ all across our land, our nation. Uh, we have this National Day of prayer. Tell us a little bit about it. You've been involved and had a passion and a heart for prayer for many, many years. And uh, together we've been trying to give a little bit of leadership and encouragement to this day of prayer since the the late 1980s, I guess, the first one in 1986. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the day of prayer and your own, your own commitment to it and your, your, your ideas of, of what it represents to us as as Americans or as God's people here in this nation. It started way back in 1952. It was a joint resolution by both houses of Congress, and it was signed into law by President Harry Truman. And so every year they decided it would be important for our nation to have a specific national day of prayer that wasn't on a Sunday, that was on a weekday, for people to stop wherever they were and give thanks to God and to pray concerning our nation. Now, that, that, wasn't, uh, the, that wasn't the first. I mean, we've had, uh, our nation has had national days of prayer, nothing like every every year, uh, like now, but then uh, even, I think the first National Day prayer even preceded the signing of the Declaration of Independence back in yeah, it was the time a, of a constitution, the constitutional um, resolution that they with the the signing of it. They asked asked for prayer when they wrote the the Constitution of the United States. They said we need prayer, we need wisdom, and so they sent out a plea for all of the people to be praying as they wrote this great document. Amazing. And, uh, and so that was the day that was called. It wasn't an, an annual day, but it was a special day. And uh-huh. we know that the Lord did lead in the forming of our nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, that we believe our nation was founded on biblical principles. We were founded on a nation that would be, be a free people, that uh, they wouldn't be governed by uh, a few at the top, but the people themselves would govern themselves. And, and vote in uh, those to represent, represent them. 
And uh, anyway, concerning, though, the official National Day of Prayer, the yearly event, it was in 1952, but in 1988, uh, it was there was a resolution, another a re- amendment, you might say, to that resolution or law, and that it be made specifically on every um, first mu- first Thursday of May, so that there would be a time each year when people could plan for the observance of the National Day of Prayer and do something special at the steps of city halls, at courthouses, city parks, at main plaza, like we're having in San Antonio that people could plan for the event in a very special way. And that was signed into law by President Ronald Reagan in 1988. But here in San Antonio, we actually happen to uh, know about it. The the day of prayer is early as 1986, and we observed it. The first time we did here in San Antonio was at the very top of the uh, Tower of the Americas. And what a great place it was. We actually rented out the restaurant over the noon hour, and we fasted. To me, it's remarkable that they would allow us to actually rent it out and reserve it and, and, not, and not, not eat. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the people sat around tables all, all around the edge, if anyone's been up at the top of the Americas, and you can look out over the city, and the people, uh, as they rotated around the whole city, they prayed for the city. And it was a remarkable time. We did that for the first two years, in 1986 and then 1987. Stacy, you, you were four years old, Stacy, when you were on your first National <laughs> yeah. Day of Prayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And uh, so most of the years we have held it at the steps of City Hall. But as you know, City Hall went under under renovations uh, back in, in twenty back long ago in twenty eighteen, and it's really taken this long for them to be uh, completed. But it's uh, it's a little bit different in terms of the structure in front of City Hall. It really is is smaller than the the space we need. And so for the last couple of years, we've met at the main plaza across the street from City Hall, and it's also across the street from the courthouse. It's wedged right in there between the courthouse and City Hall, and it's in the same plaza as the San Fernando Cathedral. So it'll be this year, May 5th, that's Thursday, May 5th. We have pre-service music starting at 1130, and then the ceremony itself starting at 12 noon as the chimes ring at the the cathedral, San Fernando Cathedral, and the mayor comes each year and he reads the city proclamation and um and and the people pray we have uh, different pastors across the city uh, different businessmen and first responders and um for example senator our texas state senator donna campbell will be there to pray our san antonio information officer the san antonio police information officer douglas green will be there most of the years our chief um police uh, william mcmanus comes and uh We'll, we'll just have pastors of uh, all different churches. Uh, and, hundreds you know, of, Arabic. and hundreds of normal, just everyday, walk-a-day John and Mary believers from all over our city, from all the different backgrounds and churches and congregations. And one group that has a prayer walk from First Presbyterian, as Stacy mentioned earlier, they'll be uh, having a prayer walk from downtown San Antonio over to the main plaza which has a historic uh, foundation as well. Uh, many, many, Almost 100 years ago, there was a famous prayer walk, uh, all of the churches gathering and marching through this downtown 
streets of San Antonio asking God for, it was a time there was a lot of wickedness, a lot of vice had come into the city, and they called on a day of prayer, and God answered and uh, and, and blessed and, and, uh, as a result of their united prayer. And so that we've had heard that testimony from uh, one of the women who was actually there at that. She was also a little girl, Stacy. Uh, she was a little girl at the time of that first day of March, that prayer march, march through mm-hmm. downtown San Antonio. And she was the little girl that led the procession. She led the prayer walk. Uh, and told us her story of that that day of prayer uh, um, almost a, a little over 100 years ago, I think now. So it, it, we have a heritage, a legacy of prayer in our city, and I believe it's one of the reasons, I believe with all my heart, that God has blessed our city and our nation and uh, in, in very unusual ways. And so we want don't want to let our generation needs to stand up and take our stand for God and, and pray. And God will hear and answer our prayers. He will take care of the unemployment and the ill and the sick and the aged and the teenagers and youth and crime and all of these different areas that are important to us. We make them a matter of prayer. On May the 5th, Thursday, May 5th, National Day of Prayer here in San Antonio and all across the nation. Millions of uh, believers across the land uniting our hearts in prayer. And uh, you know what the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. And uh, we we are trusting that in, in coming to the Lord on Thursday, May the 5th of this year. Any final words, to, uh, Suzanne, anything you want to encourage folks to join and be a part of? Well, as you mentioned, it's Thursday, May the 5th at Main Plaza, and it starts at noon with uh, pre-service music at 11:30. By 10:30, there will be a prayer tent, and anyone in the city who would like to just come and ask people to pray for them, there'll be uh, men and women at the tent. And if you have personal prayer, you have something that you need for someone to join you in prayer, or even if you have an unspoken need and you just say, I need prayer, just pray for me, whatever the Lord leads you to pray. And if you have a prayer request, there will be a prayer box for you to leave a prayer request, a written request. And so that's just a gift to the city. A lot of people need prayer, but they don't know where to turn or where to go. And this is just some place that is is for for everyone in the city, anyone. And then also there will be free Bible, uh, just um, especially the large print Bibles. There'll be Bibles for youth and for teenagers, and all sizes of Bibles and all colors. So if you need a Bible, <laughs> come and there'll be a Bible tent. There'll also be free bottled water. There's going to be chairs for anyone who needs to sit. So I believe that it'll be an enjoyable time. And you you can go to NDP, National Day Prayer, NDPSanAntonio.org to find out even more information and find out who will be praying. And uh, then you may email if you have questions to SANationalDayOfPrayer at gmail.com, SANationalDayOfPrayer at gmail.com. Well, thank you, Suzanne Dollar, and for all of your hard work through so many years of helping our city to remember this special day, this special opportunity we have to join and unite in prayer. 
I so appreciate folks. I've, I've watched the hard work every year as she gathers the, uh, the team of volunteers and helpers and children who quote scripture and musicians. And it's just a, a glorious and tremendous effort, Suzanne. We sure do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And we'll try to help keep the word out there about the National Day of Prayer uh, this mm-hmm. year. Thank you for joining us, honey. We'll talk. Bye-bye. All right. Bye bye. Well, Stacy, there's your mama. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it reminds me, you know what? Um, she was, oh, you were saying, you know, our city founded on prayer. And I mean, there's so much growth. And this kind of takes us back to the also first kings mm-hmm. and how you were talking about how there are, there are godly, there are godly leaders, but it just takes one generation of not, um, of, of 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 not abiding, not walking by faith, not mm-hmm. listening to the fathers that were before them and the godly heritage, or not um, walking in the footsteps of the godly heritage, you know that they received. Um, and it just in in San Antonio, it, yes, I mean I, I've of course I'm partial to it, but it's a really unique city. I think it's um, a conflation of. Uh, Mexican farmers and ranchers and businessmen. Uh, I remember when we hit our hundred year. Was it our no? Our bicentennial. They were saying San Antonio really is kind of a unique um, makeup because it's um, military. So we've got the military mm-hmm. co- um, population, the Mexico, the farmers and the ranchers, the kind of from Hispanic the Mexico, uh, Hispanic, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the businessmen. And so truly at the time when San Antonio was founded, it was these kind of three uh, different populations that came together and that created San Antonio, the businessmen, the military, and the farmers and the ranchers and the Hispanic population, and that it just really created this unique family, hardworking, um, loyal uh city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, yes, that is San Antonio. That describes us so well. And, and, and it's uh, also and, the heritage of, of faith. Uh, is yes. You know, the, the, the cathedral. We were just Exactly. The missions. Uh-huh. City of missions. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and how faith played a role in all of that. And uh, anyway, it reminded me though, and, but it, here we are though, a huge population growth, um, kind of on the coming out of this COVID era and a new, I don't know, this kind of new era of working from home and a lot of Zoom calls. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and where will we go from here? It kind of feels like a new generation in the city and just the importance of let's keep our eyes on him. Let's, let's continue to, to be faithful. Let's continue to... Um, be on mission, you know, talking and making disciples of all nations, all people. Um, and it reminded me of that song, Let's Keep Our Eyes on Him. Let's Put Our Trust in Him. Do you remember that, Dad? I do remember <laughs> it very well. You were just a little girl. Yeah. You and yeah, from the founding of our, uh-huh, from the founding of our country. Um, from, uh, anyway, the lyrics kind of escape, but yeah. the importance of, from the beginning, we have kept our eyes on it. Let's continue to keep our eyes on him um, as we pray. And that's just, you're right. It's such an honor to have this National Day of Prayer um, as a country. So I hope that we all yeah. uh, 
Let's not waste this, oppor- waste this not waste beautiful it. opportunity that we have to come yeah. together yeah. across uh, out of our different church groups and out of the four walls of our different places of worship. We come together and clearly make the statement that uh, that we are the people of God, that it, that ultimately, ultimately beyond uh, our individual church walls and traditions and congregations, uh, ultimately, there is really only one church in San Antonio. We are one, God's people, and we can embrace one another and encourage one another and, and celebrate our oneness uh, as Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, that we would be one in our love for each other, even as mm-hmm. we are being brought into that oneness, glorious oneness relationship that exists in the Godhead uh, among the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We are being brought into that oneness relationship with them and with each other. And that is just a a glorious truth to be celebrated and to be expressed and lived out, Uh, not only on the day of prayer, but all through the years. So don't forget Thursday, May the 5th, National Day of Prayer. We'll be keeping you reminded of it here on this great station and on uh, our own program here on Sunday evening. Well, let's come back a moment to... Uh, the book uh, books of First and Second Kings. We've come out of the time of um, Samuel, and Samuel has anointed David when he was about twelve years of age, maybe p- possibly even a little bit younger. But he waited twenty-five years before that that um, anointing took effect, and he became the king of all of Israel. And uh, David led the nation to great strength and wealth and influence. He kept in mind the vision of God for Israel. He understood that God's calling uh, on Israel to be a light to the nations. uh, And they exercised a a very powerful spiritual influence uh, for many of those decades under David's rule. And then comes Solomon, and at some level, Solomon began well, but then he got distracted, uh, and uh, his thousand wives <laughs> didn't help him <laughs> Might have all. had something to do with that. <laughs> yeah, might have something to be with being distracted, right? Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, and of course, many of his wives were from uh, idolatrous or pagan uh, mm. gods and worship, and they led Solomon astray, and uh, it, the influence of leaders could not be overestimated. A great leader, you know, uh, the scriptures say when the godly rule, the, the nation uh, celebrates and, and, and prospers when the, when the ungodly, when the wicked rules, the people mm-hmm. groan. And, uh, you know, we may be getting a little taste of some of that. We've seen some of that in our own times as well. Uh, the same, the same principle being carried out. And so now, um, David, let me see, when David died, Adonijah was his, was most likely the oldest son of David's surviving sons. Remember now, part of David's uh, consequences of David's sin was that there would be upheaval and even violence in his own household. And it certainly turned out to be true. His third son, Absalom, David's third son, died when he rebelled against his father. We read about that in Second Samuel. And while his second son, Daniel, is never mentioned after Second Samuel chapter 3, probably uh, most likely it is thought that he died in his youth. And uh, 
since this was the first ordinary succession in Israel's history from one king to the next, uh, there was no established tradition regarding the rights to the throne. Adonijah, David's uh, fourth son, seems to have assumed the right of the eldest living son to inherit the throne, uh, but there was never a law demanding such. And so we see uh, a struggle. Uh, of course, politics is real, no matter what. <laughs> if it's a, a thousand years ago or more, or even today, <laughs> politics can get very messy. Uh, now that David had, had grown weak, uh, those who were impatient with his leadership uh, wanted to move on, and the lust for power, for wealth, for influence uh, can can lead as to claim the throne in the early chapters of First Kings. But Solomon, uh, Solomon Bathsheba, goes to bat for Solomon uh, with David, and he gives final instructions in chapter two. He gives final instructions to Solomon, and and endorses Solomon to be his successor. In chapter 2, Solomon establishes his rule, his reign. And chapter 3, we have that famous passage where Solomon, uh, God says to him, whatever you wish, ask what it, and he, instead of asking for wealth or for influence or so on, he asked, uh, or long life, he asked for wisdom to rule the people of God. What a great way to start, at least, uh, his mm-hmm. rule and reign. And God grants him great wisdom, and uh, we we see an example of that in chapter three. We have that famous story of when two women come and say they both claim to have a, the same child, and one of them said that that one of their child had died, but now this one is, and they both claim the child is theirs. Mm-hmm. And Solomon says, okay, well, we'll tell you what we'll do. We'll cut the baby in half and give half to you and half to, <laughs> half to you, half to the other woman. I don't okay. laugh because that's a funny thought. It's just the idea of saying that is kind of uh, funny. But then what happened is, of course, the true mother, the woman who truly was the mother of the child, rebelled against that idea, said, no, no, don't do that. Now, the the woman who was not really the mom, she said, yeah, that's fine, let's do that. But the true mother said, said no, no, give the, mother, give the child to her. That, And Solomon, in his wisdom, established that she was the true mother, the one who loved the child. And and so it, it's, it really, in its simplicity, is a remarkable little story about the wisdom of Solomon and uh, it says, when all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom of God, the wisdom that God had given him for rendering justice. So uh, mm-hmm. we see that in chapter 3 of First Kings. And then we pick up now, uh, Solomon begins, he, he takes the nation into prosperity. Uh, he guides them uh, in building of the temple. And uh, I did want to mention, I asked this question oh. earlier. How long did it take to build the temple of God? And I'm going to tell you the answer, unless you call us during the break here, if you can call and tell us, how many years did it take Solomon to build this beautiful, beautiful temple, Solomon's temple? And uh, we'll come back after this brief break, and I'm going to go into our last segment of the Bible Live broadcast, and we'll talk about these chapters 3 through 18 in the book of 1 Kings. Don't go away. 
praise, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is the You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Because I'm telling you why. Jesus is the coming from his throne on high. Many are the weary, the lone and sad. They're gonna wish they hadn't done the things they had. Now, how you gonna feel about when the things he said on that judgment day? I say now. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back for our final segment of the Bible Live broadcast. We've uh, taken time tonight to talk a little bit about the general or broad themes of prayer, and we've kind of given an overview of the books of First and Second Kings as we're going to follow now the, these, um, the leaders. Uh, we can learn a lot about God's people, but also we learn about leadership and the power, the impact of leadership uh, over uh, people groups. Stacy is on the line with me and we were waiting for your phone call as well if you'd like to join us 210-340-9585 and the question we had out there was how many years did it take to build the temple uh the first temple uh, under solomon's leadership and the answer there is found in chapter 6 verse 37 it took seven years to build this beautiful edifice this beautiful construct now We've talked about uh, Solomon. He disobeyed God, uh, even after a strong beginning, at least, and trusting. He married 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, I have no earthly <laughs> idea. I mean, that's, that that's is just out of, I don't know anyone who has any kind of, can get our minds wrapped around that. Uh, I'm guessing and assuming that many of these marriages were political unions that he married uh the princess or someone in the the reigning uh group of other different nations around him and so on it seems like that is the understanding but uh, even that it's just it's just incredible that these wives led him into idolatry and to the worship of false gods and of course the influence uh that he had uh, on the nation as the people looked at, to you know him as a leader for their nation, and his lack of honoring the the commands of God, the values of God, I'm sure had their uh, had its impact on the nation as a whole, uh, and them allowing allowing the influence of of paganism and and false gods and so on. Uh, th- this brought about the slow disintegration of the morality and of the oneness and the harmony of the nation. And so uh, Solomon, to a great degree, oversaw the decline of the great uh, old golden age of Israel. Uh, Now, uh, his father, David, financed the building of this temple, but uh, he used a skilled craftsman from Tyre 
who did all the metal work in Solomon's temple. That was Huram from Tyre, uh, half Israelite, and, and also from Tyre and Sidon. Now, remember, I think it's interesting, uh, Stacy, to always remember that the, the critical um, location that God had placed the people of Israel in there in the land of Canaan. This was a very interesting and a very important piece of real estate in the sense that it was the it was the center of all the reigning and ruling empires over as the as the human race expanded uh, for many centuries. This was you had Egypt in the south, you had Moab, you had. Uh, the Aramean Empire with their capital, uh, Tyre and Sidon, and their capital of Damascus. And then you had the Assyrian Empire with its capital, Nineveh. Then you had the Babylonian Empire with the capital city of Babylon. Uh, All of these empires all surrounding Israel. And so Israel was strategically placed in, in in a position to be of great influence and they did have great influence, uh, not always positive, but uh, as you know, under Daniel, under King David, uh, even under Solomon. You have the Queen of Sheba uh, visits him in chapter 10, um, the queen of, of, the, of the country where Yemen, mm-hmm. Yemen exists today. I, uh, she visited Solomon to witness his wisdom and the greatness of the kingdom itself. And uh, that was the Queen of Sheba in chapter 10. So there were times when they remembered and understood their calling, their unique potential as a nation to exalt God and to share the good news of the true and living God and, and with other people, other nations. And But most often, of course, they did not. And, and they, they failed quite often in their their task to live for God and to represent him to the nations around them. But... But we do see that as part of the process as well. Now, when Solomon dies, the nation uh, divides. His son is Rehoboam. Uh, We are prepared because one of the prophets uh, predicted that um, that uh, that, uh, Jeroboam was going to, uh, the prophet Ahijah predicted that Jeroboam would rise up and rule over the ten northern tribes. And that takes place in chapter 11. The kingdom divides. A kind of a civil war takes place. Not not really a war. It doesn't become violent. Uh, but then uh, Jeroboam and the ten northern tribes, and they immediately, um, Jeroboam immediately takes the northern tribes away from temple worship and away from going to the temple for the uh, Day of Atonement, for the Passover, and so on. And so he builds a golden calf. He replaces the place of worship in Jerusalem uh, with uh, with idols, the golden idols, at, at, the, at the northern and southern ends of the ten northern tribes. So Jeroboam uh, gets the gets the nation, the people of Israel, the ten northern tribes, he gets them off to a terrible start right off the bat. They abandon the worship of God, and they they do not have one godly uh, follower, uh, one godly king in all of the years that they exist. From the time of the 
when they divide in uh, 930 B.C. until they are destroyed by Assyria in 722 B.C., they never have a godly king. Now, in chapter 13, Stacy, there's something very interesting. As Jeroboam is setting up the ten northern tribes he's to begin his rule over them, with Rehoboam, Solomon's son, uh, being the king over the Judah in, in the south, Jeroboam worships a false god, and, and a prophet of the true God shows up at his inauguration and denounces him. And, and, and very interesting, this prophet predicts that a child from David's lineage would burn the bones of the pagan priests priests on that very altar that Jeroboam had built. And it's it's very interesting. He even says that uh, he even gives the name this uh this prophet does. He said a a uh, a child, a king named Josiah will destroy this altar and burn the bones of bones of pagan priests on that very altar. And that didn't take place till almost three hundred years later. But it was young King Josiah who does that many, many centuries later, uh, or, or many decades uh, later. And uh, I, to me, that's one of the most fascinating predictions and prophecies in Scripture, that this, this uh, unknown prophet comes up and tells that a, a king named Josiah is going to desecrate that altar that, that Jeroboam built. Very, very interesting um, a very interesting prediction that one of the many uh, thousands of, of predictions and prophecies that are fulfilled in Scripture. Um, I don't know if there's anything, any anything that you see or saw in those opening chapters, uh, uh, up to the 18th chapter of Kings. Anything that you saw, Stacy, that that kind of caught your attention? Um, well, let's see. Um, I guess to me, I just, I do love, well, overarching at least, it's the specifics. Um, I love the history of it. I mean, you mentioned that at the very beginning, um, the history of, of First Kings and Second Kings. You can pull out your whiteboard and kind of get into it when it comes to all of the names and the different um you know, the different regions and when they split and the dates. And I just think that that's uh, so fascinating as a affirmation of, of how you can trust the Bible. I mean, just the historicity of it uh-huh. um, and all of the details, I think, is is awesome. Um, it's also, though, does make it a little bit confusing. I mean, it's one of the, it is it's kind of the pair that, I mean, you, you do have to kind of read it and then maybe even reread it and then maybe even reread it again. <laughs> just yeah. to, at least I did when it comes to um, just who's who and when and where everybody is. Um, but the stories are are great. It's an it's a pretty easy read and an easy listen to in a, in a way yeah. because um, because it does have. You know, I'm kind of surprised there haven't been movies made um, yet about the kings. I mean, well, there's, I'm sure there have been some, but um, and the stories that are in First and Second Kings. Um, I just saw a movie. I just saw, and I don't know where I saw it. I'm trying to remember now. Just in the last week or so, I saw a reference to you know a Hollywood movie, Solomon and Sheba. 
the Queen of Sheba that came. Uh, okay. They, they made a romance out of it and everything and, and so on. But but still, uh, there you, you're right. The, some there's some interesting storylines uh, among these kings, the the different right. ones who who ruled. Uh, now, in most cases, it's a sad story. It's a story mm-hmm. of of failure. It's a story yeah. of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there there are there are interesting times, and yet at the same time there are those those lights of faith, those times of encouragement, and you see God at work even in spite of the failings of of the people and of their leaders. You see God at work preserving them, guiding them, using them uh, as a people group, and, and preserving them so that, as you mentioned before, uh, they could fulfill that role of of being the the conduit, uh, the channel through which the Messiah himself would come, the one who would take away the sin of the world. Uh, and and if, if, if Israel is done away with, of course, God's promise to bring about the Redeemer through them would be also done away with. And so uh, there's these constant attacks on, on, on Israel's, uh, their spiritual heart, the core of their strength, is that relationship with God, and we should remember that as a nation that that uh, the spiritual element of our nation, the uh, that spiritual foundation, is key to our nation's well-being, to our to our endurance, uh, and to our uh, to our prosperity, to our uh, continuing and our strength. And not, it's not our wealth, and it's not our military. It's it's the spiritual core of our nation, and we just have to remember that. If we don't, and, and it seems like we seem to be forgetting that to a great extent. Now, one thing I want to say in, to folks listening tonight is also what, something we see in the book of First Kings is that God continues to work in and through and with his people there, but it's always through a remnant. It's never through a majority. Even in the times of revival, the times of the revival under uh, under Hezekiah, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, the times of revival under Josiah, even it's, all about it's always a minority. Uh, unless you become like a child, uh, you won't see oh, the kingdom. We've got some, <laughs> got some interference on the. Uh, uh, we can go through life trying to be tough. Our, our to be engineer hard. is listening to us uh, now. You know, I'm a man. I'm a man. But to be honest, mm-hmm. I didn't become a man. We'll take care of that. It looks like we're to Jesus. Uh, there you go. Somehow or other, we got that. Thank you, John. Uh, but <laughs> but the, the point I wanted to make is that the uh, the kings, the influence of the kings, but also the people. Uh, you have to keep your eye on the people, and it's always a minority. It's always a remnant. It's never a great majority. We think of a revival is mm-hmm. is. Everybody gets God, you know. Everybody get gets their heart right with God, and there's a movement, and there's an impulse, and then there's a momentum for that. There's a great uh, in gathering. There could be great um, evangelism. A lot of people coming to faith, as has happened in earlier revivals here in America. Uh, the great Amer- the great awakening uh, would, uh, is part of our national history, and so on. But it's never like the whole, the great majority of citizens come to faith. It's always a matter of a remnant, a faithful, loyal, and courageous remnant who leads, who takes 
who takes seriously the relationship with God. And I think that that's what we need to remember for our time. We, for our times, we keep, we keep looking for the time when just everybody comes to faith and there's no opposition and there's no, there's nobody working against God and against faith, but that just never happens. Even in the times of Josiah and Hezekiah and these others, there were people who were making fun of faith. There were people who were opposing the revival. They were opposing uh, the, 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 the morality, uh, just as we see today. You know, we have, uh, we have, there is a heritage of, of faith. Uh, there is a heritage of obeying God and God's laws and God, the morality that God sets forth in his word. And yet there are those who, who uh, oppose all mention of God and all mention of faith mm-hmm. and all mention of, of morality, the bi- biblical morality and, and, and the, in, in the family and in marriages and so on. So it's never going to be everybody. It's always going to be a faithful, loyal, praying, and a, a, a remnant of people that becomes the source of blessing to the nation. That's one of the great, I think, one of the great principles you see coming out of the books of First and Second Kings, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what are they? The he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, or he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of those key phrases. And in terms of that remnant, and in terms of, I think that those phrases come over and over again in first and second Kings in regards to, I think the Kings. Um, but that's so it, it's, it's for the people as well. Um, and in terms of a revival, it's an, it's an interesting thing because he is, God is very much, um, interested in what the people are are doing you know he's very interested and he's has his hand in the nation and the nation building um but again it's the individual hearts that he is touching and that and that we have a responsibility each one of us to respond to what he is doing individually it's not what our parents have done it's not what we inherit from our leaders it's not what we are saying and and leading but then doing something different at home you know it's it's what each unique um person's relationship is with um with the lord and are what we are doing is it pleasing in the sight of the lord or is it not pleasing in the sight of the lord and that call to holiness and that he is calling not only our nation and the people but me, Stacy, you know, uh-huh. and um, and time and again, you know, to the importance of um, with Hezekiah and then especially with Josiah, but of God's word. And I know, Dad, in large part, that's why you are so passionate about having the scriptures read over the airwaves and mm-hmm. um, having it so available to people is the importance of coming back to God's word and um, and yep. what he says about who you are. That reminds me, too, of that. Uh, and, and I know, you know, we finished uh, the book of John last week, but we had talked about last weekend um, about how John says he's the disciple who God loved. <laughs> That's what he and he's referred himself. to as I, the disciple right. whom Jesus loved, yeah. Whom Jesus loved. 
And I thought there was a that's a, a neat thing, you know, when it comes to our identity. What do we find our identity in? And John says, I'm I am who Jesus loved. I am the one who Jesus loved. And uh I think that that's and, and we all we all can actually claim that. We I am the one that Jesus loves. And um That's interesting. I mean, you are, he loves you too, but that's his identity. He doesn't he doesn't say talk about his apostleship. Or he doesn't talk about these right. great accomplishments and what he's done. He wrote the you know the book of John, and I wrote the book of the Revelation. I mean, but but he he defines himself as the one whom Jesus loved, which and that is he, remarkable. And we can define ourselves like that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, anyway, I, I just thought that that was um, with the with. With the Book of King, I mean, yeah, with First and Second Kings. Yeah, it's consistent King. with that. It truly is. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. we see this yeah. remnant. We see these people who who serve God. I, I remember Abraham Lincoln uh, famously said that we basically get the leaders, we get the government we deserve. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think I imagine at least that I see that in the books of First and Second Kings is the people right. tend to get the leader that they deserve. You know, if they if mm-hmm. they abandon God and they abandon the worship of God and they abandon morality and they uh they do irresponsible things in their economies and so on, then they they just they end up getting the kind of leaders that are just gonna lead them, continue to lead them astray in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course I think even more even more though necessarily even than like Israel here in this land where we actually elect our own leaders, we actually choose them uh, in a very special way. We we get the rulers. We, we get really get who we deserve. deserve. Yeah. Right. More directly even. Yeah. 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 So well, I, I we also can learn think... from the books of First and Second Kings for sure. Yes. And what is the – so – Let's see, the timeline, this is always kind of fascinating to me as well with the Book of Kings. The timeline um, is just not that long. You know, we, you know, it's not thousands of years. It's not, we're not talking about kind of the dynasties of Egypt or that are thousands of years. This was a pretty short, um, it's kind of a short lived people nation. I mean, it was not long before they. Split, um, yeah. and then when they split, it was not that much longer after the northern tribes completely are are annihilated. They're they're wiped out. So yeah, they're, they're united uh, for 120 years under Sol- under Saul, it. David, and Solomon, and then they divide. Yeah, and the the northern tribes only endure from 930 to. 722 a couple of hundred years and mm-hmm. then and in the northern and the southern tribe judah only lasts a, 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 about 150 years after that so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they it isn't very long and it, it goes very yeah. quickly and you can follow the the ups and downs of israel uh through those experiences well our time is almost up states we only have about a minute or so left um we have come now to the the life and times of elijah the great prophet Elijah, and by the time of Elijah, Baal worship has become so prominent, and Ahab and Jezebel are ruling in in the north in Israel, uh, the northern ten tribes, and they are they are they are terribly wicked. 
corrupt leadership. Uh, and But Elijah becomes a prophet of God, and he leads in a great one of the great revivals uh, uh, in the rejection of Baal worship and leads the people back, at least temporarily, to the worship of the true and living God. So uh, we'll talk about that as we come into our readings this week and on through the book of Second Kings. And we'll come back next week and comment about Elijah and his successor, Elisha, here on The Bible Live. Thanks, Stace. See you uh, soon. Of course. Thank you. Good night, Bye. everyone. See you next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.